Hey there. Welcome back. Another Stories of Gumption podcast episode coming right at you. What are we doing here? We're having conversations with entrepreneurs, creative thinkers, and in my opinion, just really, really impressive people. So welcome back again. We're really excited to have you here listening to another episode of the podcast. Uh, A lot of great great guests so far on the podcast. I have another one that is phenomenal for you today, but let's talk about who's supporting the podcast. First sponsor, Open Gate Farmstead. They are a stone's throw away from the mighty Osable River, and uh, happy animals make the healthiest and tastiest product. That's their catch line. That's their phrase. You've heard about them from the beginning. Uh, Check them out on their YouTube page. They do a lot of good stuff. That is uh, Matt and Sarah Craig, everybody. They live down in Keysville. Uh, They do um, quite a bit of stuff at the farm. They got vegetables. They got uh, pigs. They got ducks. They got chickens. Uh, I believe they are getting lamb. I could be just throwing stuff out there but uh it's true they are definitely uh growing a very small farm to table operation and uh it's really exciting to have their support of the podcast so thank you again open gate farmstead check them out on youtube facebook instagram they got a phenomenal youtube channel check it out subscribe sponsor number two we have kavanaugh realty they are a local independent real estate company helping people buy and sell their homes pretty straightforward mission operation uh they got a great group of people over there and it's growing actually they uh they are definitely growing uh doing a lot of business in the adirondack clinton franklin essex area uh, of northern new york these days um definitely a lot of uh, great things coming from that real estate company. Uh, I've said it before in the past, we're blessed to have so many great local real estate professionals, brokers, salespeople uh, in this region. But uh, Kavanaugh Realty uh, really appreciate their support of this podcast because uh, their support of my wife and I when we were buying our first house was incredible. Galen Trombley went above and beyond, and uh, we really... Uh, can't thank them enough. Changed our lives uh, getting into our first home. So thank you. Kavanaugh Realty. Hashtag local matters. Check them out. Our third sponsor, uh, near and dear to my heart, Adirondack Mindfulness. If you have listened to the previous episode with Dr. Sharon Thoreau, uh, you learned a lot about mindfulness. You learned a lot about what she does for a living, how she found herself in a career uh, of neuropsychology and mindfulness Uh, she's bringing her expertise right here to plattsburgh she's originally from the area so she is uh she is local in that way she currently lives in florida where her practice is but she's bringing it up here with a company uh, adirondack mindfulness and she's bringing an mbsr course up here mindfulness-based stress reduction. It uh, does come with a little bit of price tag. You got to pay for it, but it's worth it. It's an investment in your mind and uh, I will be doing it. It's going to take place uh, for a couple hours on a Saturday from mid-November through the first Saturday in January. Uh, I'm not sure on attendance requirements. I think you should try and attend all of them if you sign up, but uh, 
I'm going to be doing it. My wife, Lauren, is going to be doing it. And uh, we're really excited to take that plunge into uh, an investment in our mind, especially as the weather starts getting colder. It's a great thing to do on a Saturday. So Adirondack Mindfulness, they're enriching the lives of North Country residents through education, research, and the application of the science of moment-to-moment awareness. Check them out, adirondackmindfulness.com. In today's episode, we have Paula Gagne. Uh, she's uh, an excellent guest. You'll you'll learn a lot from her. Uh, I certainly did. Uh, we talk about healthcare. We talk about uh, how hospitals are funded, which was really interesting to me. Uh, she's a very accomplished professional in uh, our local healthcare system, uh, UVM Health Network, and uh, we also talk about her unique story of gumption, which actually involves a story. Uh, with my wife uh, when she was a baby and she was sick. Very interesting, very interesting moment uh, of reflection. And uh, we had a little conversation at the end about Paula's uh, side hobby, which I think is really cool, Adirondack Taste and Green Mountain Gifts. Uh, Really neat uh, stuff that she does with that. So uh, enjoy this episode of the Stories of Gumption podcast. Gumption, defined as initiative, aggressiveness, resourcefulness, courage, spunk, guts, common sense, and shrewdness. Welcome to the podcast. This is Stories of Gumption with your host, Ryan Lee. All right. So today, I'm with a very special guest, uh, Paula Gagne. She's the Network Director for Radiology at the UVM Health Network in Vermont. Uh, she's also the founder of Adirondack Taste and Green Mountain Gifts. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. I think it's a pretty cool hobby and growing project. Uh, she's also my mother-in-law, which is probably the most important, but, uh, cause she deals, she deals with a lot of my nonsense, but, um, welcome to the podcast, Paula Gagne. Thanks Ryan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, um, <laughs> I'd like to start by, uh, having you kick things off by just kind of giving us your background story a little bit. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, I am the youngest of five, uh, born in a military family. I was born in Florida, and uh, we moved up here, up to New York, when I was little. I grew up in Keysville, New York. Shout out to Keysville. Keysville, New York. (laughs) I got some friends who live in Keysville, including the uh, Open Gate Farmstead sponsors of the podcast. A little plug there. There you go. Um, It's beautiful, you know, uh, picturesque little town, so I, you know, I... Had a great childhood, had um, really cool parents and um, cool older sisters um, and an older brother. So let's see. And your father was uh, in the Air Force. Yes. So he yep. was he was here stationed at uh, Plattsburgh Air Force Base. He was stationed at Plattsburgh Air Force, yes. That's cool. Yeah. And he retired here. And so this is where I landed. And... Um, I grew up 
obviously my um, high school years, I grew up here. So this is always going to be home for me. Whereas my sisters um, mostly grew up in Florida and, you know, it was home to them down there, you and know. Now they're in Florida. And now they're in Florida. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. we're kind of, you know, a little bit all over the place, but um, but it's it's good. It's um, can't complain. Had a had a really uh, fun childhood. I uh, loved gymnastics. Uh, I had the best coach. Gib Brown was my coach. So shout Gib out. Gib Brown. Yes. Yeah. Yep. He's a meteorologist. He's a meteorologist, or he was. He, he was, was just retired. recently retired, right? Yeah. 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 So, uh, so yeah, I, um, I coached gymnastics for a couple years, you know, after I, um, graduated and, uh, so yeah, I just, I guess I've, you know, pretty normal, pretty normal childhood. <laughs> and so now fast forward, you, at some point in time, decided you wanted to go into healthcare. Yes. Uh, I'm interested in that. Yeah. So we had a guidance counselor in high school who um, encouraged a lot of kids to go into x-ray school because there's, mm. there's x-ray, there's an x-ray program right here at CBPH and they still have a program today, which um, it was, it was a great experience for me. I was drawn to radiology because of the kind of, it's an art and a science, you know, you're, you're really taking taking images of people at a tough point in their life, and so it's got that piece of the you know healthcare nurturing, but mm -hmm. you also have the technical side, mm -hmm. which I thought was kind of cool with the with the physics and science, and so that's what drew me to um, radiology. I'm probably putting you on the spot here because I have no clue. <laughs> but how does an X-ray actually work? <laughs> Like, like I, I have the general concept, the particles go sort of mm -hmm. through your, your body. It picks up the more dense part, which is your bone. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you got it. You, You're okay. on there. Well, yeah. help, help me out. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I feel like I'm just kind of spitballing here. I don't uh, really know. So I'm pulling back from like 28 years, but I will try to do the best I can. Here. Sure. Okay. So, um, X-rays are produced. Uh, hopefully, there's no physicists listening to this <laughs> podcast because they'll say I butchered it. But um, X-rays are produced with um, an electron, a beam of electrons, and they're um, you know they travel through this vacuum. Mm -hmm. And once they hit um, a heavy metal target, then they you know bounce down through the body. And so the areas that it, like our bone that are really dense. The x-rays don't penetrate that as well, and so they show up as white. And so what you see on an image for x-ray, the black is really all of those, you know, electrons that make it through the body. And then where you see white, we, it's mm. the areas that were too dense and it, they didn't make it through. Wow. So it, that's how you, you get an image. So when I went as a kid multiple times, if my parents are listening, they, they know. They took me to the ER multiple times in school because I kept breaking things. <laughs> uh, every time I went for one of those x-rays, I had just massive amount of electrons just sitting on my bones after. or like <laughs> I, I don't know. How does that part work? They well, hit, they, if they don't pass through, where do they go? 
Do you know? Well, <laughs> <laughs> there's, it's called scatter radiation. So if it doesn't go through, um, you do have some scatter radiation, but it dissipates. And okay. You, you're, I'm sure you're, I'm, think, I'm thinking you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's not uh, Chernobyl. No. no yeah. Which, that was a crazy show. That if, was. Did you watch it? I did. It was crazy. Oh my gosh, that was just a scary, yeah. scary event in time. So you, I think you're good. The, <laughs> the few X-rays that you had, I, I, okay. I think you're safe. Well, and and the technology has stayed the same, or I'd assume it's improved. Like, yeah, it's okay. completely different from when I went to school um, because now everything's digital, and you know, you'd, we we used to have film, and you'd actually go into the dark room and you you. Um, process the film oh wow yeah so um i remember uh, there's there was a there's a light in the dark room you know the it's like the the red light that you see on tv right and uh so it's very dim in the dark room and and there's a little um safety switch on this film bin so that you know when you open up the film bin if you opened it in the light the the bright light was on it would automatically shut off so it was a safety feature which was really kind oh of, wow kind of cool for x-ray students that yeah had never touched you know film before so it was a nice safety feature and a, a bin of film was thousands and thousands of dollars oh my it god was very expensive and you'd have different sizes for depending on the body part that you were doing and i remember i was always very mindful of that you know, the light, because I was like, I don't want to be responsible for ruining thousands of dollars of film. And, uh, I went into the dark room and for some reason, the, um, the switch, something happened with the, I don't know what, I don't know what happened, but the wiring was tripped. And when I opened the drawer, the light came on. Uh-oh. And I was like, oh, you know, I slammed it and I, you know, I, I ran out and I, I told the, the manager and I said, uh, I, I swear, I swear <laughs> that I didn't, <laughs> I did not expose this film. But when I opened the drawer, the light went on and he's like, yeah, right, right, right. So he went in and he, he did the same thing, so. Oh, I was, good. I was, yeah. Good. Luckily, it was reproducible. Yeah. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Gosh, so thousands and thousands of dollars for this film. And now yeah. it all being digital, we, I assume that's just, yep. there's no expense we, there's there There's no film. Yep. Everything's just, you can have it on your iPhone within minutes. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. So um, I want to come back to that. And I want to come back to sort of your your climb in healthcare to becoming the network director radiology that's pretty big job um but i'd like to ask you because it is the stories of gumption podcast what does gumption mean to paula gagne so uh from my perspective this is just me gumption is that in intrinsic grit that you have that allows you to do something important and to me, it doesn't have to be something big, but it does need to be important. Hmm. So what's a story of gumption from your life where you had to demonstrate some of this grit? I would say uh, once I had kids, that's when it really kind of became apparent to me 
Interesting. Um, that you, I was responsible for, for another human being, you know, for their well being and not just myself. And so it, you know, the story that comes to mind, I guess, when I think about gumption is when, uh, so my oldest, your lovely wife, uh, she was a little baby and, you know, I was a young mother, a new mother and, you know, I didn't have a lot of experience with sick, sick kids and she got really sick and she, you know, she was kind of a logie for for a day or two and she had a fever and so it was about 104 fever and oh my god so that's you know that's that's high and (laughs) yeah but i you know it they you read all the books and you you ask and they say well if it's 24 hours at at that high level you know you, you get it checked out so i called the pediatrician and it had been 104 for a day and it wasn't really going down with tylenol and or you know we were given ibuprofen yeah so the pediatrician said you should just go to the ed because um i don't you know we don't know what it is so yeah just go to the ed so i went to the ed and i took um my thermometer with me because she just was getting hotter she felt like she's getting hotter and hotter so um so I had my thermometer with me. I got to the ED. I checked in. And ED, emergency, oh, emergency department. Emergency department, yeah. I can yep. tell you work in healthcare. Yeah, and sorry. I'm like, ED. ED. I'm pretty sure that's emergency. <laughs> but yes, I got we, it. It used to be called <laughs> the ER, right? The yeah. ER. But well, it's That's still, what I still call it, I yeah. guess. But ED is more So because you think about it, it's not one room. It's a department, right? True. So, yeah. Clever. But, uh, ED. Anyways, okay. Those little things. Okay. So you had to take... So you you and Lauren going to the ED. Yep. But just the two of us. Um, and I don't remember, you know, like I think, so Jay was definitely, um, so my husband was working mm-hmm. and so he was in Vermont. And so I headed to the ED by myself with Lauren and, um, the, they checked me in and said, you know, there's a few people, there's quite a few people ahead of you. Just have a seat and we'll get to you when you can. So, you know, my parents always taught me to be respectful and wait your turn and, yep. you know, don't push, don't push back. And, and those are all good, you know, things to teach your kid. I'm glad they taught me that. Um, but as I was sitting there, she kept getting warmer and warmer. And so I took her temperature again and, and it was up to, you know, like close to 105. And so I brought her up to the nurse and um, I said, you know, she's just getting hotter while we're sitting here and I need to, you know, I need her to be, to be seen. And she said, you know, have a seat. I, you know, there's quite a few people ahead of you. It's a busy day. I'm sorry. And we'll get to you. We'll, we'll we'll get to you. So I had a seat and, you know, as we sat there another 20 minutes later, you know, I took, take her temperature and, you know, it's up to 105.5 at that point. And it's just it's a baby. Just, yep, she's just a little baby, and she's getting hotter and hotter, and and just kind of a little bit, you know, slumping, just like not, you know, she was she she was okay, but she just didn't have any energy, and so I brought her up again to the nurse. I said, um, I need her to be seen. It's she's up to 105.5 at this point, and she said, you know. We'll be with her shortly, probably another 15 minutes. 
And so then I just looked at her and I said, okay, so where are your um, cold cloths? Um, I just started to walk out, you know, be like by her desk. And I said, because I'm going to take care of her. She, she, she's too hot. And so she goes, well, we'll be with her shortly. And so I just, I put Lauren in front of her face and I said, you need to feel her head. <laughs> oh my God. And I said, feel her head now. And she put her her hand on, on her forehead and, and she just sprung into that action that nurses do yep. and totally just she took her from my arms and said we're gonna get her into a cold tub and and her fever was 106.9 at that point so can't that like totally just kill you depending on who you are like i'm pretty what uh, uh, that sounds uh, really bad to me for adults for sure like you could go into a coma you yeah you know seizures they they said it was surprising that she wasn't seizing um and you know it's i look back at that time and you know this nurse was doing the best she could she had a room full of patients and I'm this new mom who is probably overreacting and, you know, and it's like, but when I just, you know, just kind of shoved her in her face and said, you need, you need to put your hand on her forehead and you need to feel how hot she is. Um, she just was, she sprung in, like I said, sprung into action and. Wow. And, and I'm sure she, you know, not any, malintent or malicious intent on her end she was just trained to follow yeah. a procedure exactly right? yep i uh, to this day i you know i'm and i i give her so much credit for you know springing into action and putting her into you know the the cold you know tub and like just she just completely took over after after that but it just i think for me, it's like I wouldn't even think twice about doing that today. You yeah. know, it's like I wouldn't. But when I was, you know, I was a young new mother and I respected authority and someone told me to sit and wait, I would sit and wait. Yeah. But. Um, yeah. So now would I think of that as gumption today? No. Yeah. <laughs> That's like yeah. Just but like at a, the time. But at the time when I was, you know, I was young, I was, you know early 20s and that's a scary time yeah you're trying to figure it out yep yeah that's interesting wow who knows where we'd be today (laughs) that's true we might not you and i would not be sitting here i don't think it's (laughs) it's very possible if you hadn't shown a little grit and a little gumption yeah could be yeah lauren in case you haven't thanked your mother yet you should probably thank your mother for all the things she's done for you (laughs) i'm sure she's thanked you Many she times. absolutely has. Uh, so kind of shifting uh, from that into a further conversation about healthcare, because you're uh, a leader in healthcare, especially locally. Um, I imagine that experience has shaped your opinion in how you lead people in healthcare and radiology. Yeah, I, uh, you know, that experience sticks with me. And I think about, you know, for me, the um, patient and family experience is, is pretty important. And we're always trying to, you know, think about the things that could make it a little bit easier for patients or, you know, better for patients and, and not just the patients, but their families as well, because they're going through 
this difficult time alongside with their loved one. And so we're really trying to, you know, make it patient and family uh, friendly. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. So I, I feel like the patient experience has become a big part of at least the lo- local healthcare focus. Um, I can just remember, I mean, I, I've being a, a young teenager, uh, to now and having very different experiences, just going to CVPH, um, and the UVM health network sort of trying to consolidate resources to make a better patient experience. Do you want to just speak about that and, and sort of the, the benefits of, of us being part of a network? Absolutely. Um, we have, a. Uh... We have a lot to gain with the health network. And given that many of us have our care at CVPH and at UVM Mm -hmm. Medical Center, um, I've had a lot of my health care in Plattsburgh at CVPH over the years. I had all three of my children here in Plattsburgh and had really great experiences. And I've had great care in Burlington as well. And so as a health network, what's nice is that we're in the process of getting a medical record so that it's the same across in all the hospitals in the network. And also we're working on getting um, our our imaging archive to be able to transmit um, images back and forth easily. We can do it today. Um, we can send images back and forth, but we're, our goal is to have this single, you know, platform that everyone sees, you know, without having to know, oh, Ryan had a head CAT scan in Plattsburgh. Um, we need to know you had that in order to look it up in Burlington, Mm -hmm. whereas in the future state, Mm -hmm. we'll be able to see Ryan's record, you know, to say, oh yeah, you, we see that you had that cat scan we see the images we have all of that yeah that seems like a pretty big pretty big advance it seems simple but i mean before that existed before the network existed i mean what was that like because i assume patients still would go to cvph they'd have an image done but then for whatever reason it was like nope you got to go across the lake you got to get um more advanced care Yes, so that when that would happen, they would, you know, we'd send CDs back and forth and, and, you know, and and that was like the early, you know, times when we would send images back and forth. Well, back in the day, it would be actual x-ray film. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so it's uh, now to be able to just send images electronically in minutes, then it, it is a huge benefit because... By the time you get over there to UVM, your images will be there waiting already, which is nice. Wow. Yeah, that's that's pretty sweet. And um, I would assume, maybe you can't speak to this in detail, but there's a major cost, cost savings across the hospitals involved for, like, consolidating resources. Yeah, if we can, you know, we're getting onto this single medical record, and that in itself will definitely be able to... It, it increases the, you know, efficiency of care and the quality of care. And yeah, and there's obvious cost savings for having a network to be all on that same platform. So yeah, there's a lot of benefits to it. Hmm. 
it's interesting to me, like the whole conversation about the cost of healthcare, because there's two different sides to it, obviously. But <clears throat> me now being uh, uh, almost two, going on two years as a property and casualty insurance agent, um, I know nothing about medical insurance. <laughs> Put that right out there. Know nothing about it. But good. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, it, it is interesting to me that at least from a property and casualty side of the insurance world, uh, insurance was kind of established for hopefully something you'd never have to use, right? Like you, 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 it, at its root, you insured a building, your home or whatever, because if it burnt down, uh, you wanted to be able to put it back where it was at equal value. Right. But you're kind of banking on the fact that you're paying a little bit of a premium that you'd, you'd never have to use it. Like you don't want to have to use it. Right. Whereas health insurance, you're paying your premium knowing you're going to use it in advance. You're like, I am going to use this. I am going to be asking my insurance company to pay for my, you know, whatever benefits they give me. For some people. So if you think about it, that's mm. kind of how insurance works, right? Is some people use a lot of it, the resources, and some use zero resources, right? Yeah. So it's like if you just, if you don't put a claim in for, you know, when your car's d dinged up or, you know, whatever happens and you want to keep your premiums low so you don't turn things in, you're just like, okay, I'll just, you know, suck it up mm. with, um, Health insurance, you do have very low users of health insurance who actually, they don't, they're pretty low maintenance mm. and very little, you know, they, they probably, you know, it's like they're paying a lot of insurance and yep. or premiums um, and they're probably not getting, they wouldn't even equal out, you know, what they're paying in, obviously, mm. in a year's time. Then you have people who use a ton of it, yeah. you know, um, Maybe they have different, you know, um, disease processes. And oh, right. So it for could, sure. And they do need it. They're, right. they're in the right for needing it and using it. Exactly. Or and then you have a catastrophic event. Maybe you have a car accident and that could cost, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars depending on, you know, what happened mm. there. So... It is, in a way, it's a lot like property insurance because you do have people who use their insurance and then other people who don't. Mm. And obviously, they, you know, if everybody was high users, then we'd be mm. in a worse place. But um, yeah, but the I guess the difference with healthcare is that you have um, preventative services that you do want people to take advantage of and it is going to cost a little bit you know to make sure that they get you know their blood pressure checked and that they have their physicals and that they're you know doing the what they need for stress and wellness and all the all of those things um there's a bigger focus now than there used to be on preventative services yeah screenings uh you have you know mammography you have um lung cancer screening mm -hmm. for patients that have been smoking for you know 50 years yeah there's, a, there's yep. a screening program for that so yeah that's it is uh it it's it is different but it is 
there are similarities too. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, yeah, because, I mean, I, I've had uh, conversations with a few others uh, in healthcare, you know, nurses to other leaders, and they they talk about this shift uh, of trying to get people away from going to the hospital for the routine or the not-so-serious medical need, leave the hospitals in a, in a position where they can leverage their higher tech, higher emergency, higher... Uh, higher need, I suppose, uh, services, uh, overnight stay, things like that, where, you know, surgery or whatever. Uh, so they can be more efficient there, but then most of healthcare pivots towards a preventative medicine with a primary health professional. Right. The medical home, like, people, right. you know, call, call it their medical home. And you're more aggressive with, uh, with your own PCP or primary care physician or, um, right, I got it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Primary care. I'm making yep. sure. I see. I'm yep. throwing out some lingo here. You got it. PPP, <laughs> ED. <laughs> um, well, the reason I was un- I wasn't totally certain about that is because I've heard people referred to as a PCP that are not physicians, but I don't know if that's like a they're like a um, like your primary care provider. Uh, it's oh, like right, a, a provider. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it could be like it, a PA. Right. Or, right. Who's right. still just as qualified yep. to do that, but. Anyhow, okay, so uh, this shift to be more uh, consistent in that type of care will lower the cost of health care long term, right? Exactly. That's, and that's the goal, uh, if you've heard the term population health. Um, population health is actually a focus on, um, like, it's a different model based on, like, sort of like reimbursement for... Um, hospitals on taking care of a population of patients rather than you come in and you get a CT or an MRI and you know we get paid for that service with population health it's more of a okay um, you have this amount of money to take care of this population of patients Mm, and you choose how to spend those dollars and if you you know the goal would be to do more preventative so that you know, you're not landing in the the ED, you know, that we can take care of you in a in an environment that's more appropriate. Mm. And so it's, um, that's the goal. And it does, it is expensive to, uh, to treat patients at the hospital where yeah. all of the high tech equipment is. And, you know, there's a lot of overhead costs in, in a hospital. And so it's, the focus is really to say, how can we provide care at a lower mm-hmm. cost that's high quality and yeah, you know, good access? And so that's that's the challenge. It seems like it's hard to put a number on what it actually costs you to get certain levels of care. <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe that's part of the problem, but... Um, and maybe you can enlighten me more on this, but, um, so I have a, I'll, I'll, I'll share two stories and then maybe we can just talk about it. But, uh, the first is I have a friend who, uh, fell, hurt his back and he went to the hospital. I'm fairly certain he went to the, yeah, I should probably get my facts straight, but no, I'm pretty sure he went to the hospital. He got, he has insurance. He got it 
taken care of. He got some medication. He got a prescription. So there's a pharmaceutical element to this too. But he uh, went home, didn't have to pay anything that day. About a couple weeks later, got a really nasty bill for uh, the imaging and um, uh, the pharmaceuticals and all that sort of stuff. So I, I don't know all the details, but it sounds like he walked in, got care for his back, had no idea what each piece of his care actually cost. And once he got his bill, he was, he was questioning whether the fact that his insurance was involved and was paying some of it, but then he, for whatever reason, had this large out-of-pocket cost. Mm. Would that large out-of-pocket cost have been the same if we didn't live in a healthcare system that was constantly being funded it seems by insurance companies paying the bills where it can kind of get inflated does that make Mm. sense am i put yeah i mean that's a good question it's insurance coverage is very tricky because um you and i could both have blue cross blue shield insurance right and i might go to the hospital for the same thing you do and walk out with a 25 dollar copay and you might walk out with, you know, $3,000, you know, bill that's part of your deductible, you know, yeah. out of pocket. So there's so many different plans. High deductible plans, which is full. Yeah. High deductible plans are tough. And so that's when patients typically try to shop around, mm-hmm. you know, because they're going to pay that high deductible. Um, it's tough when you're, if you have to go to the, emergency department or you're not Mm -hmm. you don't really have that you know ability to to shop around but part of the issue is too that the hospitals don't actually get paid what they charge and that interesting that never i bet a lot of people don't know that yeah that never happens and if you ever look at your um, explanation of benefits on your you know your next uh, visit and you get it, you know, you'll get it from your insurance company and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll have an amount of what was billed and then they have an amount of what they paid and then it'll show your portion of that, you know. So their allowable amount is the amount they've contracted with the hospital. So let's say, you know, you go for an x-ray and it's $300 and maybe they only allow $200. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, you're... That one hundred dollars. You're on the hook. That's actually nope. You're not on the hook oh. because that was negotiated from your insurance company. So that hundred dollars, you'll never have to pay it, and Got it. your insurance it. doesn't have to pay it. Got it. But then you have, let's say, they pay two hundred, or maybe they pay, you know, one hundred and fifty of that. There's, there's a piece that says this is what you're responsible for, and that's mm. so that's based on their negotiations with the hospitals for certain certain fees so So this is very interesting because i never knew that insurance companies were negotiating with hospitals on basically how much of the care they have to pay for is that right yeah it's it's basically yeah that's that's kind of so if i'm a real slick sales guy for xyz healthcare insurance company and I can get a better deal for what my company has to pay on benefits than another one. I could get a competitive advantage in terms of just how much we have to pay for benefits. 
in in it essentially yeah if you're yeah i mean i think i'm i'm oversimplifying yeah, this i know i am yeah. but it, like the concept is i assume each of these insurance companies have somebody responsible for trying to maintain or negotiate these deals with hospitals mm-hmm. and well, it's it's like negotiating the the rate that the, they, the rate that they are willing to pay, and interesting. But it it's it's all through a process that you know. It's a lot it's, of math. It, it is. It definitely is. It's a lot of math. I think that's why. If you go back to my friend's story, not really knowing his plan or the details of like whether he had a high deductible or supposed to expecting full coverage or whatever. Uh, he seemed like he just didn't know how much if he had if he had to pay the entire thing out of pocket never had insurance he's like i couldn't tell you what any of it costs i don't know yeah. what it costs to get an x-ray i don't know what it costs to um you know go see a uh, a primary care physician to have him check out my back and this particular gentleman uh is a little more conservative and uh believes in more opportunity of free market so mm-hmm. to speak so i think he's coming from the perspective of like if i could just if i could just make sure that you know if we were just paying for these things there'd be more competition between each hospital to have a better price mm-hmm. you see where i'm coming from there yeah yeah um, it's it's an interesting question i guess it is it's really trying to apply. throwing a lot on you you're, you're <laughs> applying the the free market uh, in capitalism to health care and when you think about health care it's i mean resources in our area are are not exactly abundant you know yeah and so yeah it it is kind of um it's a, it's relatively small market hmm. here um go to florida you're going to find, you know, a clinic or a imaging center on every every other corner. There mm. so their costs in in Florida, if you look at their healthcare costs, they are really high. You look at costs in like in Vermont, for example, is one of, you know, one of the lowest in the country. Interesting. So, it's it's yeah, it's the competition thing can be a double-edged sword because you can drive up utilization yeah so the the more imaging centers or the more hospitals you have the greater the chance that you know people are gonna they're gonna order it's it's there if if you you know Mm. if you build it they will come yeah it's kind of the same same kind of concept yeah wow that's wild I think I think we could probably spend like four hours talking about this because I just keep asking question after question. And I'm not but, an expert on any of this, but it's only what I've kind of dealt with. Yeah, you know, no, and I don't know if anybody would be unless they literally did that every day, forty hours a week. Yeah, um, yep. healthcare and insurance and all that. It, it does raise an interesting question. Uh, and maybe I'm putting you on the spot again unfairly because it's more pharmaceutical, but like you think about the the hot button, you know, press that Bernie Sanders got when he went up to Canada, purchased insulin for a fraction of the cost that it is to buy the same product here in the United States. Yeah. Like 
do you have any idea why that's why that is or i'm kind of putting you on the spot again but i don't know a lot about pharmaceuticals and and pricing but uh i do know that there's a ton of uh r&d that goes into it and Mm. so um but again you know it's like i don't know enough about pharmaceuticals i obviously i i think that there are cases where the the prices are jacked up way higher than they should or need to be. Uh, but at the same time, I always ask that other question, that other side to say, well, how much did it cost to get that to market? Yeah. So, hmm. yeah. So uh, what kind of uh, initiatives are you implementing here at the network, UVM Health Network, um, as director of radiology? Um some hot button things that you're happy to share, like that you're working on? Uh, let's see. We have a few projects coming up in radiology that we're excited about, looking um, at a um, new MRI system that we're going to be putting in. And How much so does an MRI cost? <laughs> I can't say. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Only because uh, we, get, <laughs> we get really good pricing and we're not allowed to divulge that. But I can Got tell it. you that it's um, it's... I can tell you that it's in the over a million dollars. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, all right, it's this thing. This sucker's going to be, you know, several hundred thousand. I was saying, but yeah, a million. I guess it's a, it's it's a, it's a. So we, you know, and anyone could look it up actually online because we had to file a certificate of need with the state of Vermont. Yep. Um, so uh, we, any expense. Um, in that range has to get reviewed by the the Green Mountain Care Board and they take a look and they want to make sure that we're not driving up um, costs, healthcare costs needlessly. Mm -hmm. And so they review all of these big purchases that kind of come up. But this this MRI unit uh, was actually put in in 1998. So it was, I think it's high time it, it gets replaced. Okay, so so that's about the average tenure of a or time frame of a lifespan of a MRI machine. Uh, this one, this is older than normal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But it's been solid. You know, it's been a, it's been a it gave its its best to us, so we can't complain. But what what happens to an old MRI? It just gets donated to another country, or it? Uh, well, that's a great question. And so massive machine with all this technology yeah. that's, so that's n- no good for us anymore, but right. maybe it's good for somebody else. So we, we tried that. Um, the last MRI that we replaced well, was a few MRIs ago and I had grand plans to donate it to Macedonia and no we, way. Yeah, it was, I put a lot of effort into, um, researching it and we had the Vermont Air National Guard that was going to actually um, take the unit to Macedonia. So we had everything in place that we could send it to them. Oh, wow. And we've done that before with a CT scanner, and we were successful. The problem with an MR scanner is that they are really expensive to run because you need uh, what's called cryogens to keep the MRI cool. Interesting. If it gets too hot, then um, it does. It's not going to work. But hmm. there's a lot of uh, shielding that you have to put in a room 
um, to make sure that you know the the signals don't get crossed. And I'm not even going to try to get into MRI. <laughs> you can you can have Jay come on this this podcast, and he can explain that to our, you someday. Our, our family expert on MRI. Yes, he is all things MRI. Uh, I know just enough to be dangerous, but not yeah. But yeah. But anyway, um, I tried to, you know, I worked with um, with this group in Macedonia to donate it. They were very excited about it. But at the end of the day, they couldn't raise the funds that they needed to um, construct the broom. Wow. And so it almost would have been a burden because of the cost to run it. The cost to run it and to service it. So you do wow. have to you have to be mindful when you're trying to donate to other countries that you know if they're you know not in a place that they can afford the you know the upkeep then you're actually doing them a disservice. Wow. So. That's crazy. Yeah. Look at that. That's, I've learned a lot in well. <laughs> about 40 minutes here. Uh I would like to ask you I'm pivoting just a smidge here about and your Adirondack taste and Green Mountain gifts. Oh, okay. Uh, just a little bit, because okay. I think it's cool. Yeah. But where did that whole idea come from? Uh, <laughs> Tell people what this is about. This yeah. is a cool thing. All right. So um, this is my desire, I think, to get in touch with my artsier side. So my my mom is an amazing artist. You've You've seen... You for know, sure you've seen her yes. work she she's a natural talent she really she really is and um, she does beautiful icon work very detailed and so I don't necessarily have that talent of painting uh, but I do have a craving for I guess some kind of art or some kind of something I, I don't know what that yeah. is it's 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 something to escape from my my work. Well, that's that's my uh, well, this podcast for sure. It, it, um, but really, the chairs, the Rondack, yeah. Rondack chairs and furniture. Exactly. I, you work with your hands a little bit, a little more creative. Right. I can totally empathize and relate to that. Yeah. Desire. So I had this desire to do something just to keep my mind off of you know the and the stresses of work and stuff. Mm-hmm. So kind of um my mom taught me how to sew when I was young so um I can sew you know like pillows or you know clothing whatever um I like pillows because they're easier um but uh yeah I in in cooking baking I love like gourmet you know cooking I'm not an expert by any means but I've taken a few classes from chefs that just just i just enjoy it i do it because i like it um, you made uh apple caramels that were okay. just like apples apple cider caramels that were just like lauren if lauren's listening to this she's like yup those were amazing <laughs> I, I i never seen her i mean i've seen her gobble up uh, sweets pretty fast, but I think she really liked those. I definitely did. Those are oh. those are unreal. Oh, thanks. You got to figure out how to mass produce those uh, quick. Um, they are they're actually yeah they're easy to make and they're they are good. Like I love the cider. Oh, I love the cider. This time of year is perfect for that. But oh yeah. But sure. I could spend all day in the kitchen and just like I I actually I don't get tired of it. So I guess if I worked. 
in a kitchen. Like mm. if I had to, um, maybe I'd feel differently, but you know, when I have a day off, I can hang out in the kitchen all day and be very happy. Mm. So what we got to do, I'm putting this out there in cyberspace. I don't know if it'll, will actually do it. So no promises anybody, but maybe a, uh, Adirondack taste and green mountain gift pillow down pillow with a Rondack chair. That could be a tandem. That's a great combination. You put the, you got that um, thing that, what's it called? Uh, A cricket. A cricket. (laughs) A cricket. Yes. Uh, It it puts like custom designs on the pillow. You made one uh, the other day with a Rondack logo on it. I thought that was pretty slick. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool tool and I just have fun with it. And I was talking to a woman that I I met at a a bridal shower last week and it, it was so funny because she said, oh my gosh, you have a cricket? I want a cricket. <laughs> I didn't even know what a cricket was, you know, six yeah. months ago or three months ago. Didn't even know what it was. But once I discovered it, oh, you could spend a lot of time on that too. Oh man, that's <laughs> such a cool thing. Like custom glasses, uh, pillows, shirts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, anything really. Yeah. Yep. Anywhere you can think about putting a stencil and you can make a stencil out of any picture. You know, wow. so you could even take a picture, you know, of, you know, f- of Whiteface Mountain and just go ahead and cut out the little trails and stuff. It's you could cool. Put it on wood. You could put the yeah. stencils on, on you wood. On you could wood. put it on anything. Wow. Yeah. So that's my escape from, you know, the everyday work stuff. And I guess it's probably something that I got from my mom, I'm guessing, you know, that, you know creative desire whatever um and you know i i think that uh i think all of my kids have it to some extent i think that they're all they have a very creative side to them um so Lindsay loves to paint she's very good at it um adam is a very good cook actually he's really good he's talented he is he really knows how to hone in yeah his cooking Yep. For sure. Yep. And Lauren has a definitely an appreciation for all things that I make. And she's in like, particular yeah. being the uh, test driver for. Yeah, <laughs> she loves this. Loves to test it. Yeah. And her face lights up when she has that sugar. No, she she loves to bake too. Yeah. She, she does. uh. She she's been on a macaroon thing. The macaroon yeah, she makes man. are amazing. She makes and I've, good I've never made macaroons. Well, actually I helped her make them once, but she's a master at macaroons. I love to cook. I've always told her I hate baking because baking leaves very little room for mistakes. Yeah. Whereas cooking, you can kind of just like fake it till you make it and right. add whatever you want until it tastes good to you and you're good. Yep. Baking is a science. And macaroons and are even that's <laughs> like this. I'm like, you're making macaroons? Are you crazy? Over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, the first time, at least of this recent stint of making them, uh, we made them together. I was so mentally exhausted after <laughs> making macaroons. <laughs> She's uh, since made all the rest of them uh, solo, which I think is probably for the best <laughs> of all the uh, people consuming them. But uh, it's a project yeah it's a project and it has to be exact or they're not going to work out anybody listening if you're you're laughing there in the background you're like oh well macaroons how hard can it be i challenge you to go make 
macaroons. You pretty much have to be a chemist to make macaroons, I feel. Yes. Make them right. <laughs> yes. To make them perfect. To make yeah. them right. Yeah. Well, this has been good. This yeah. has been awesome. Uh, I learned a lot today. And uh, we'll have to continue the, the healthcare conversation, too, at some point. Maybe round two of the podcast or just offline or whatever. But Yeah. No. It's been great. Absolutely. This testing my knowledge or my memory. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I didn't throw you very many softballs. <laughs> yeah, <I've laughs> how are entries produced? Oh, God. Taking you back to yeah. school. Yeah. Well, now it's time for the ever-famous Stories of Gumption rapid-fire section. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. The questions haven't really rotated out too much, so they're, they're pretty similar. But question number one, what's a book? you would gift to a friend, and why? I would say it would be How to Win Friends and Influence People by mm. Dale Carnegie. The reason why I would gift that book is what it, I think what was interesting from that book, it wasn't so much How to Win Friends. It was the influencing people. Mm. that I thought was really interesting and it was really a lot very much common sense but some things that you're like oh yeah you know what it's I I think there are a lot of things in his book that you could point to like the um what do I want to say it's like now we have a lot of neuroscience you know behind you know behavior and you know, for sure. And how do we actually, wh- how are we drawn to people, you know, and, and how are we drawn to maybe their perspective or mm. at least understanding their perspective? And so there is a lot of neuroscience behind that and how you might be more accepting of a different perspective. And actually his book, it's, I don't know when it was written actually, but it's an older book and I think it superseded all of that and it was stands yeah. true today. Yeah, I think so. Wow. That's a good that's a good answer. Mm-hmm. I like that. I have this I say this every time, but I have this long running list of books now <laughs> <that> I have <laughs> yeah, to try you and must catch have up. A long list. Uh question number two. If you could put up a billboard anywhere, what would you put on the billboard and why? I would put um R E S P E C T because I think that it applies to every single person that, you know, just to keep in mind, respect, res- doesn't matter who you're talking with, who you're with, doesn't, um, just respect is important to me. And lost, it seems, a lot. It's yeah. le- it's less common to just find basic respect. I don't respect know. Respect and empathy, I guess. I, yes. I guess I'd put maybe two words, respect and empathy, because... I feel like empathy is something that maybe we're lacking as well. Mm. You know, if I can put the money together for two billboards, we can do both of those. All right. Thank you. (laughs) I'd appreciate that. Uh, Question number three. You only get one more meal. That's it. That's all she wrote. It's kind of morbid, but hey, you get one meal. That's it. What would it be? That's easy. (laughs) It would be lobster and steak poutine. Oh, that is damn good. <laughs> it is like I I can't imagine like I yeah I I just I love it. It's amazing. That do you comfort, want that's do, like like yeah. food. So that place that you originally got it up in Montreal is no longer serving it's it. No longer serving it. They changed the menu and 
Uh, that was uh, a meal that, you know, Jay had ordered that I just, I was like, ah, lobster poutine. I don't know how good that could be. You know, it does. Ugh. I sat there and watched him eat it's that It's poutine. Meal. It's french it's fries. Poutine, how good right. could that be? I, uh, I regretted every minute of that, that meal sitting there because I was, it looked so amazing. And of course he shared with me, but I was like, oh yeah, this. So he made the best choice that night. Yeah, that is that is by far uh, since making our own version of that. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Question number four: If you could go back to your eighteen-year-old self, what advice would you give to yourself when you were eighteen? Um, I would say be fearless. Mm. You know, it's there's, I think if I could go back to any 18-year-old, right? It doesn't matter if it was like myself or anyone today. It's like you you can do more than you think. And when you're 18, you know, you, you don't know, right? You don't know what you don't know, and you don't know what you're capable of. But I would say be fearless. Yep. I like that. You have to be. Yeah. Because there's a lot of things to be scared about, it seems, when you're... 18, trying to figure out the world. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Number five, we got two left. What is one of the best investments, whether financially, time, energy, what is one of the best investments that you have ever made and why? Oh, that's okay. I would say I have invested in three amazing young adults and that would be my proudest achievement in my entire lifetime and if I did nothing else but raise those three kids um, and the way they turned out to be I'm super proud of them um, I would be completely fulfilled wow yeah that's fantastic (laughs) I don't even know what to say. There's nothing to say. That's fantastic. I'm just going to edit out all this stuff that I'm saying right now because I'm going to leave it at that. Question number <laughs> question number six. This is my favorite question. This is the board of directors question. So if we could put together a three-person board of directors to guide and mentor you through the rest of your life, they can be alive, deceased, famous, or not, doesn't matter, but who would you handpick to be your three personal board of directors. Okay, so if I have a board of directors. And why? Okay, oh, okay, why too? Um, I have a board of directors. Um, so I'm the CEO of my life. Basically, yep. Yes, so I'm the CEO, and I am going to be privately owned, so I'm not going to do a board <laughs> of directors. <laughs> Um, I'm going to have a president, so I'm going to change it up. I'm going to change it up. And the president who would be there to, you know, mentor me or to, you know, be the, you know, I'm sorry. What, what did you say they were going to be doing exactly? The, the just guiding and mentoring, mentoring my Jiminy cricket on my shoulder. I feel like I know where you're going with this though. (laughs) It's going to be a president. Um, I'm not going to do the board of directors thing and it's going to be, uh, Jay, my husband. Mm. 
and why. Um, I th- he's got really great judgment, and I trust his judgment. And, you know, there I tend to be a bit of an idealist, at, and um, he's a little bit more of a realist. And so there are times in our lives when, you know, he was there to, to kind of, you know, shed some light that maybe mm-hmm. I might not have seen. And uh, I totally trust his judgment. And he's a really super cool guy. Mm. Jay Gagne for president. <laughs> <laughs> I love I, it. I would vote for him. Yeah, <laughs> I, I probably would, too. Uh, he'd definitely get us moving towards uh, some renewable energy. That's for sure. For sure. Man yes. loves his renewable energy, and I respect the hell out of that. He he could. Yep. That's that's your next podcast. Uh, solar, electric, <laughs> and MRI. Yeah, he knows a lot about all of that. He does. Well, thank you so much, Paula. This has been yeah. awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, to the listeners, don't forget, you have an opportunity, if you haven't done so yet, subscribe on whatever you're listening to this podcast on, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Google Play, Spotify, uh, Himalaya. There's a whole bunch of apps out there. We're on a bunch of them. Uh, Subscribe so you can get an update every single time we put out a new episode. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, there's plenty of opportunity to do that as well. Uh, send an email to storiesofgumptionpodcast at gmail.com. This has been another episode of the Stories of Gumption. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.